Thursday's edition of Blake Street Banter Does the Minor Leagues. We sit down with the voice of the Spokane Indians, Mike Boyle, where we literally talk about players on players on players. Good stuff. Good introduction to some players. We are officially on the Doyle train. Um, hopefully you can jump on with us. It's going to be a good time. Go ahead, sit back, relax, and enjoy the banter. Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other one's just along for the ride. Um, I am here with Mike Boyle, the voice of the Spokane Indians, and he's just going to shed some light about baseball up in Spokane. Um, you staying you staying cool up there? Uh, right now, yes. Uh, coming up in the in the next few days, uh, absolutely not. Uh, they're talking about 106 here in Hillsborough this weekend when we're here Saturday, Sunday. Uh, by the time we go home to face Tri-City, it's supposed to be 109 on Monday. In Spokane? To Spokane, oh. which is record setting. So it's going to get hot in a big hurry here. And I just I just worry for the boys because I know with like the natural turf field in, in Hillsboro, it can be 105, 106 out. It's going to feel 120, 125 on that surface of the turf. So I just hope there's a, a lot of hydration going on because there's going to be a lot of overworked and overwarmed people coming up this <laughs> weekend. Yeah. Uh, do you see players adjusting to that? Like it affected them a lot. I just remember Ryan McMahon, he's from Texas. He's a South Southern boy. And he had to play in that 30 degree, 40 degree weather in Colorado in April. And he was not adjusting well. He was right in front of the heater. He had the hot pads in his gloves and his, in his pockets. Do you, what do you see on the other end of that? Well, yeah. I mean, when you, when you're talking about the extreme heat like that, uh, it could be awful tough on on some of the northern guys you know when you're talking guys from the new england area guys from the upper midwest mm -hmm. uh, although they get some good humidity you know the upper midwest in the in the summertime but it's a different heat when it's that really dry heat and i've talked to some of the guys about how they had to adjust to arizona and right. they said it was not fun playing even an early morning game in the phoenix area when it was already 100 degrees at game time at uh, 10, 10 30 in the morning. So it, it's going to be an adjustment, no question about it. And it's going to be uh, kind of interesting to see which teams adjust better because it, it is going to be extremely hot and uh, it's going to be hazardous. I mean, that's the best word to use for it. It's going right. to be hazardous for these guys playing this weekend and into early next week because the temperatures, from what I could see, the lowest they're talking about is 103. And that's uh, that's not healthy to play in, in baseball games for three and a half to four hours. In. Yeah, that's that's going to take a toll. Hopefully they can recover and have everything in line, ready to go. Probably a lot of time in that AC unit uh, hotel rooms, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, my broadcasters too. <laughs> <laughs> How's the baseball going? Like you, you're fresh with the Rockies. You're two months in. Um, you were worried about the rain last time we talked, just Northwest weather. Just how's it going? How's it? How's the season been transitioning? And we've been fortunate. I know that uh, half the clubs in the league still have games to be made up because oh, there wow. was one stretch where the rain on the west side in Everett and Hillsborough wiped out a number of games. So I know with Hillsborough, with with Everett, um, with Vancouver and Eugene, those four clubs still have games to be made up mm -hmm. right now in double headers, whereas uh, we in Spokane and, and in Tri-Cities, 
uh, have been able to play all the games thus far because we haven't had as much rain on the eastern side of the Cascades as they did on the west side. But uh, rain's certainly not going to be a factor here for the next week, that's for sure. Uh, so hopefully they'll get uh, some of those games made up. But as for the Indians' progress, uh, let's just say the first two weeks, uh, the word fun wasn't used an awful lot. <laughs> Team started 2-10, and ten, uh, got absolutely bludgeoned in the opening series against Eugene at home. I mean, just got absolutely beat up. Uh, the pitching staff uh, looked like batting practice out there, quite honestly. Um, I mean, the last game ended 15-1. to one. I mean, it was just hard to watch and even harder to talk about. And then the next series, they won the first game in, uh, in Hillsboro playing Vancouver and then dropped five straight, including the last game that they'd taken the lead in the ninth, gave up the lead in the bottom of the ninth, lost it in the 11th. It was just, it was about as low as it goes when it was a two and 10 start. Mm. But things didn't look very good uh, heading home. We played Everett uh, in that next series. And Everett was off to a terrific start. They had just beat Tri-City six straight at home and had absolutely crushed them. They, they beat them 20 to three in the last game. There we go. Everyone was talking about this Everett club being one of the best minor league teams of all time. And quite honestly, I was thinking to myself, if we can win one of these six games, that'll be a plus <laughs> for, for this club. And we went out and won three straight to start the series and took four of six from them. And go. I think that's been a turning point for this club because not only did they get the taste of winning, they got some confidence going. And, and this team has played well since then. And uh, they've won four straight on the road now, just took four out of six at Tri-City and won the first game of the series last night here in Hillsboro against the Hops. So uh, I really feel good about where this club is going because they've had a, a number of turnover in the, in the roster. You worry about that, especially when you lose three-fifths of your starting rotation yeah. to Hartford. Um, but the guys that have come in have stepped in and uh, haven't missed a beat. And it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch this club progress uh, over this first month and a half of the season. Yeah, you got some of those big guys, uh, those big name people. Like, how did Chris McMahon do with his transition up? With with, with Chris, he's he's been uh, kind of part of the rotation from the get go, and uh, I think he's thrown well for the most part. He's had some some moments where he has struggled. And that's to be expected. I mean, any kid that's coming up through a farm system isn't going to come out and light up every opponent, every start. That's just not going to happen. Mm. And if it does, they're not there very long and they're on to the next level. But with, with, with Chris, I think he's going through a, a learning curve as far as what he can do against lineups the second and third time around. He's been very good going through the lineup the first time. It's that second and third time that I think he's going through the learning curve, but I like his, I like his demeanor and I like his stuff. I think he's got uh, the kind of repertoire to his arsenal that he's going to be making the move up at some point, but uh, it's good for him to be learning right now. And uh, he's really been kind of an anchor in that starting rotation thus far. What kind of, what is, so what adjustments is he making? Have you seen to really work on that second and third time around? Well, I, I think one thing is that, and I've talked about this on our air, is sometimes when you're pitching, you get into a rut. Mm -hmm. And I say that you've thrown a certain way to a hitter and you found that fastballs work against this guy. Well, you kind of get the leaning on that pitch a little too much. Right. And now you get guys sitting on it and they go up there and 
all of a sudden the first pitch is out in left field or it's in over the wall. Uh, you've got to make adjustments where, okay, I know I struck this guy out with high heat last time. Hey, maybe I'm going to try some breaking stuff down away from him to give him a different look, give him something a little different to think about when he goes up there, because there have been moments where, and innings where Chris has been on the mound and it's like the hitters are jumping on the first and second pitches that he's throwing. Mm. And that tells me they're sitting on something. They're waiting for something. Yeah. They know something. And when he mixes it up, uh, he is a very effective pitcher. And I, I think that, you know, he's, he's a thinking man's pitcher. You can see him going through it when he's out there on the hill. And I think that he's continuing to, de to develop in that area. And I think that's just, you know, one minor thing that, you know, he's going to learn that, hey, you know, just because I got this guy out the first at-bat or the second at-bat with these pitches, hey, I got to maybe go to something different and then maybe go back to that pitch later in the at-bat rather than relying on it early while the guy's looking for it and sitting on it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the whole goal of the minor league system, right? Like making those adjustments, trying to figure it out. And the thinking man piece, I think is huge. You want to see that from one of your top 10 prospects and him being no able to adjust and figure it out now to next level, next level. It should only set him up for success. No, that's that's promising. I like that. Um, you, the I got McMahon confused with Etheridge and Kilkenny. Kilkenny was electric a few weeks ago, right? When he first made his debut. Cool. I mean, he he threw last night as well, Aaron, and uh, I thought was just as good. Uh, you know, he 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 had some bad luck uh, in the inning that he gave up two runs. I mean, there was a a bat off the hands that was fisted out into shallow left field on a little bloop. And then it was a broken bat single to right. I mean, those kind of things. It's like, okay, you're making the pitches and things just aren't going your way. That's how right. baseball rolls sometimes. But what I liked about him is that now he's got runners at second and third with nobody out and he gets three straight ground outs. And, you know, okay. Yeah. Two runs score. Um, but you had a four-run lead at the time, and he's not trying to nitpick out there, not trying to be perfect. He just says, hey, I'm going to get the outs, I'm going to get in the dugout, and we're going to get back at our at-bats. And it turned out to be a huge part of the game because now it went from a 5-3 game, Indians are back up to bat, they get another run back. And now the momentum has completely gone back to Spokane's side. I love his demeanor. Uh, I've been extremely impressed with him. His first start at Tri-City was the best start by an Indian starting earlier this year. Uh, six innings, promising. one hit. It was a bad hop single where it hit the, the seam of the grass and the, and the rock hard dirt there in Tri-Cities where it's baked by, you know, 100 degree temperatures <laughs> most of the year. And it shot straight over Chris Navarro's head into left field. I mean, Navarro's right here ready to field it. It just goes bing like it's shot out of a cannon. And that was the only base that he gave up. And he struck out 10 of the 19 batters he faced in six innings. Uh, you, you don't get much better than that. Uh, no walks. He has an issue to walk thus far in 12 innings that he has pitched at this level. And I think that speaks volumes as well, because a lot of guys are still trying to find their control, trying to find their spots. Uh, he's a polished college pitcher, and he's a guy that is going to only get better. I compared his approach on the mound and the way he throws to another former Indian from 10 years ago, Kyle Hendricks. Mm. He, is all business. I mean, he goes out there and he just gets up there. He gets the sign. He locks in, bang, and he hits the mitt. I mean, there's no nonsense to it. There's no walking around. There's no, you know, hey, I got to fiddle with something, kick the mound. 
I mean, it's like he gets the ball, bang. I know what I'm going to do here. Boom. And he mm. does it. Uh, he's, he's a pleasure to watch. From a pitcher's perspective that I have, he's a pleasure to watch. I, I really like what Mitch Kilkenny does. And, in fact, he's going to be my pregame interview for the uh, for the nice. broadcast tonight. And uh, I can't wait to sit and talk with him and uh, find out why it is that he has the approach that he does on the mound. You mentioned Will Etheridge as well. Yeah. Uh, Will uh, had one start in Spokane. And he got off to a rough first inning. And I, I attributed that to nerves. I mean, he's throwing in front of a, of a pretty good crowd that night of a couple thousand. And he settled down after that. I mean, he was like perfect until the fifth. And then he tweaked something while he was making a pitch. And he tried to pitch through it. And that didn't end so well. And no, so he usually doesn't. Up- leaving the ball game in the fifth and he missed his last start in Tri-City, but he's scheduled to start in this series in Hillsboro, which is, which is promising. I like his stuff too. Uh, He's he's not an overpowering guy, much like Kilkenny. He's not going to blow you away with an upper nineties fastball, but he is going to locate and he is going to change speeds on you. And I really like the fact that he can mix location and change speeds because let's face it, you got to have those abilities at a major league level or you're just not going to succeed. I mean, everyone can throw in the nineties now. I mean, let's yeah. face it, a major league teams, when they go out and scout pitchers, they're looking at guys. If you don't throw 90, they're not even looking at you anymore. So you've got to have an ability to hit the mitt and you've got to be able to change speeds on hitters and cross them up if you're going to succeed. And I, I think with both Kilkenny and with Etheridge, they're able to do that. And they're, they're two promising arms in the Rocky system right now. That's that's good to hear. I like to hear that. It's, and there's something about playing behind like a pitcher like Kilkenny, the quick go, go, go. Let's yep. get out of this. And like you said at the in there, like, let's get to the dugout. We'll get out of this. We'll hurry up and we'll go do our thing. Um, there's something about playing defense behind those kind of players. Um, no that's no awesome. Uh, you spoke of Etheridge's um, debut, rough debut. Our boy Dugan Darnell got the call up, and he had a tough debut, but he's been pretty good since. Um, just talk highly of our boy, Dugs. <laughs> <laughs> we love that man. He's He's an unbelievable story, as you know. He really is. I mean, I, sitting and talking with him, and he's telling me that he's working an analyst job in Chicago, sitting at a desk in a cubicle, and gets a call to go play indie ball. <laughs> Three <laughs> days on the job, and he decides, hey, you know what? I, I don't want baseball to end. And this is from a kid that attended a D3 program in Michigan. Yeah, Adrian Baseball. Yeah, I mean, you're playing for the love of the game. You've got no athletic scholarship. You have absolutely zero interest from a professional level of going on and playing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're sitting there working this job that, you know, you've taken your college education to do. And you go, you know what? I, I'm not done yet. I want to, I want to keep playing. And this is from a, a converted infielder yeah. to the mound. So it's not like he's been a pitcher his entire high school and college career. He was mm-hmm. late to the mound. And so he decides, okay, yeah, I know I couldn't throw a curveball when I started college baseball, but, but here I am. I'm going to try this, you know, you know, bad food and, and long bus rides in, in indie ball. And, and then he goes to the United Shore League and, and goes there 
and has some success. And the Rockies spot him, sign him. He goes to Fresno, does well, and he's called up to Spokane. First game out against Eugene, comes out and gives up a two-run homer and loses the game two to one. Mm. And I'm thinking, boy, how, how is he going to handle this? I mean, he, he may be thinking, oh, boy, I'm in over my head here. But he has been anything but. He's been lights out since then. Uh, he's been a spot guy and a, a, a long relief guy. He's been anything that Scott Little and Ryan Kimbler have wanted him to be. And they've said, okay, hey, we need you to give us two innings. Hey, we need you to get this one batter out. And he's been the guy that's been able to go out and do that. And he's been terrific. And it's, it's great to see a guy that comes to the ballpark with a big smile on his face every day and is just happy as heck just to be there. And he's, he's been doing great. I, I love Dugan. And uh, every time I see him, I, I ask him how things are going, and he says, couldn't be better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's, he's the happiest guy on the planet. It's funny, with, with Dugan, we had another guy in Andrew D. Piazza here in Spokane that was pretty much the same way. D3 guy from Rowan in New Jersey that had mm-hmm. zero interest from the major leagues, except for one Rocky scout that happened to see him pitch and say, you know what, hey, let's bring him in for a tryout and see what he can do. Yeah. And he goes out, lights it up. He came here to Spokane, and he was unhittable. Like, he was just a machine out of the pen whether he threw one inning or three innings, guys couldn't touch him. And so now he's in Fresno and everyone said, well, why did he get demoted? I said, well, I knew right away. I said, he's been so good as a reliever. They're going to make him a starter. And that's exactly what they're doing in Fresno is is they're making him a starter right now. And uh, he's intriguing. I mean, he's a guy that I watch him and go, he's got a shot Mm -hmm. at going the major leagues because he's a six seven guy that can throw in the upper 90s and he also has breaking stuff that he can locate you just don't come across those guys every day mm-hmm. and uh it's going to be interesting to follow him as uh, he goes through the rockies farm system gotta love those stories of like these hitting talents like you said like they just happened to show up like Dugan was just messing around and popped up on the mound and adrian and threw 95 and coach was like all right you're our closer now and then now you just had this unhidden talent that you're going to go and do thing. And so, yeah, Dugan, I'm just reading his stats, like zero walks, um, eight strikeouts, two ERA, oh, 12 strikeouts updated. And his whip is 0.55. Like it's incredible seeing that from an unseen talent. And I, and he's humble as can be. And he's just, a, he's just a dude and just loves the game. And, Fantastic story, like you said. So I we we like to talk about him over here. <laughs> we we love dudes. Well, D three guys, man. I mean, let's face it. How many D three guys are playing at a high A level right now in professional baseball? Seriously, there's very few. Yeah, you can count them on your on your fingers. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's remarkable that the Rockies have two of those guys mm-hmm. right now. Got to root for those guys, those hard workers. Uh, let's let's talk a little uh, position players. One of the Guys, I wish Spokane Indians were on MILB TV more often so I could watch you watch you guys a little bit more. But the stats, um, Willie McIver, the yeah. catcher, is kind of coming into his own, like an 887 uh, slugging OPS. Just he's a dude. And where is he coming from? And what's he what's he about? Well, he's the heart and soul of the team. Yeah, one of those guys. I, I, I have said this that. Without him in that clubhouse and in the lineup every day, this team doesn't succeed at the level that they are. 
there's no question in my mind. He can manage a pitching staff as well as any young catcher that I've seen in my 30 years of minor league broadcasting. Um, he is an anchor in the lineup. Like he is not an easy at bat for a pitcher. He can fall behind 0-2 and feel like that he's struggling. And then he'll foul off pitch after pitch. And the next thing you know, he's at 2-2, two 3-2. And, two, three and, two, and then gets his pitch to hit and whacks it. I mm. mean, he is a future major leaguer. And that's yeah. the best compliment you can give to a guy that's in the minors. I, I watch how he approaches the game, his work ethic his love for the game. I mean, it's obvious he loves to play the game of baseball every day. And he's going to be in Coors Field or he's going to be playing for some major league organization at some point because he has all the tools. And he plays the toughest position in the game. Yep. And he makes it look easy. He's got a good arm behind the plate. He, he calls a, a hell of a game. Uh, I think he's, he's a, a great kid. And I've talked to him a couple of times, and I can't say enough good things about Willie McIver. Um, you know, ninth round pick out of the University of Washington. And I don't think it's a, a coincidence that when he was at Washington, that club went to the College World Series. And since he left, they haven't been close. Mm -hmm. I think that speaks volumes right there. Yeah. And like kind of what we were saying, I was saying earlier, the team just feeds off of those guys. Those, And if he is that, that catcher, that leader, just doing his thing like people listen people know and it's just kind of that captain that leadership exudes that yeah, yeah he was it was really cool looking at his stats like diving into that and the fact that he's got that extra ability character oh, and you know, he can, and that's he can exciting races. i mean he can do he can do it all and you know the thing i fear is that you know the rockies are probably looking at him and going you know what he's probably heading for double a i i just you know, yeah i think he's done everything at this level, I would love for him to stay the entire year from the selfish <laughs> Oakland Indians perspective, right. but it wouldn't surprise me if he gets the call within the month and, and he's on his way up and uh, it'd be a huge loss. And I would be curious to see if the next person could step in and fill that type of role. But somehow I doubt it because the, you know, the Willie MacGyvers just don't fall off trees. They just don't. No, that's yeah. Looking at his numbers, a uh, fairly low walk uh, strikeout rate decent walk rate slugging 925 OPS like it's incredible and it's Rockies as Rockies fans we don't have a lot of great catchers in our history like we have a few that we can name and so seeing right. guys like Drew Drew Romo Willie McIver like these this gives a gives me a little hope right there I appreciate that <laughs> I needed that there, there is there is I'm telling you you know and Rockies fans will love this kid I mean, if you get the chance just to watch him on a regular basis, you will love how this kid plays the game. No we'll, have to, we'll have to look out for him. I, I appreciate that. I like that. Um, let's talk to the big dogs, about the big dogs. Toglia, Shunk, Doyle. Um, I see Shunk struggling a little bit, hasn't quite found his footing. Toglia doing his thing for the most part. Um, yep. A lot of power. Um, and then Doyle kind of struggling. Ducalotti kind of struggling. What, uh, what are we seeing? Well, I'll, I'll start with, with Michael Tolia. Um, you know, the thing with, with, with Michael is that uh, he's, even though he hasn't hit for a great average, and his average has gone up about 40 points over the last week and a half because yeah, he started, started to hit the, the singles 
that are needed. But for a while there, it was it was either a strikeout or a home run to start the season. And, uh, you know, that's Joey Gallo-like. And uh, you know, while that's exciting, at the same time, it's not what you lead to productive at-bats. And he's been getting more productive as we've gotten into this season, which is an encouraging sign for me. The other thing, too, is that he's hitting around the shift. Uh, teams have been that's shifting good. on him. From the get-go, you know, lining up three guys on that first base side when he's hitting from the left side, three guys on the third base side when he's hitting from the right. And over the last week plus against Tri-City and then last night against Hillsborough, he's beaten the shift. And he's just, you know, taken the pitch and gone the other way and said, you know what, I'm not going to try to hit a home run. I'm just going to hit the ball hard somewhere and I'm going to get runners home. Uh, he has been very productive as far as RBIs are concerned. Um, he's, you know, the top RBI guy on the club. Uh, and he, I love his approach at the plate. He's a very patient hitter. There are times, though, I wish he would be a little more aggressive early in the count. And I think that there are times where guys will throw fastballs early in the count and he lays off of them thinking, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to get something better later. And that isn't necessarily the case. I think he should be a little more aggressive early in the count. He gets that fastball in the middle end of the plate and on pitch one or pitch two, and he needs to just make them pay for it. Um, he's got a great stroke, and he can hit with power from either side of the plate. He's been excellent defensively for Spokane. Um, you know, his glove has been huge down at first base. I mean, as far as digging throws out. And like last night, Jeff, Jack Lumbren threw a ball that was a little high. Nice to have a six-five guy that can just kind of go up and keep his foot on the bag and make the out, make it look easy, and prevent the air. Uh, I love the kid. I, I love the way he uh, approaches the game, and you can tell that he's a student of the game, works hard at it. Uh, you can just watch him in batting practice, and and he he's a guy that has major league written all over him. Uh, you talk about Brent Doyle. I honestly yeah. think that he is the best prospect on the club. So he, and, he is the truth. He is legit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I love, he's a five tool guy and can do it all. And he made a catch last night. That was fantastic. And he's done that all year with his defensive ability. He's got a great arm out in right or center field. He can mm-hmm. throw it from the warning track to third base. No problem. He can run the bases like a deer. Um, he can hit for power. He can hit for average. And when he hits the ball and he's in a groove, he he is uh, a, a sight to behold. I mean, he really is a, a top-notch prospect. The areas that he needs to work on, and I, I've seen this through the first month and a half, pitchers have a tendency to start going high fastball on and then going off speed down and away. And he just needs to get better discipline at the plate, laying off that junk down and away because mm. he has a tendency to offer at it an awful lot. He's leading the league in strikeouts as a result. And then there are times that they'll start him with that junk down and away. And now he's in an 0-2 hole. And then they come in with the high fastball and he can't get around on it. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious watching from a broadcast perspective what's going on down there, but it, it just needs to click with him down on the field, what pitchers are trying to do to him right? and laying off that garbage and getting his pitch. And he's done that the last three, four ball games. Um, he was in an 0 for 19 slump um, in Tri-City 
and all of a sudden he gets a couple base hits. And then the last game he hits three doubles. And then last night he goes two for four. So he's getting it going again. Um, right. Much like he did early in the year with a nine hit series against Vancouver. He's a, he's the real deal though. And I can tell Rockies fans that all he needs is time and development, but he's going to be a guy roaming the outfield at Coors Field. And, uh, People will see what I'm talking about. They'll go, wow, yeah. this kid's just made to play the game. And he's a natural five-tool talent. And those guys don't fall off trees either. And uh, he's, he's exciting to watch. I, I like watching Brent Doyle play. But as I said, just needs to develop his uh, approach at the plate a little bit, his game plan, and, and figure out what pitchers are trying to do to him and do a little better job on that front. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. It's so jealous you get to watch this talent every day in, day out. Um, Shunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you seeing from Shunk? Like number five, middle infielder. Like he's supposed, he was very highly touted. Like we've all heard of Shunk, yep. but just looking at it, it's something's happening. Well, he, well, he's been hurt. And Has it been that? He got hurt um, the second series of the season. Got hit with a pitch on the elbow. Oh yeah. Well, he kind of got off a slow start, so he tried to change things up. Took the elbow guard off. So <laughs> the first game he takes it off, he gets hit right on the elbow, and he misses almost two weeks. A story age as old as time. Yes. So you know he, he you know started to get back into it, and then he got hit again by a pitch, um, and 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 was out for a couple of days. So um, when he's in the lineup regularly. I like his uh, ability to give himself up at the plate to advance runners. And that's something that has been lacking on this team. Mm, so probably just but, all around baseball. Yes, exactly. And I don't think it's, you know, just a, an Indians problem. I think right. it's throughout baseball guys that, you know, won't give themselves up and hit the ball to the right side of the infield to get that runner from second to third with less than two out. Mm. Aaron's the best, best guy on the team at doing it. And he has done it time and again this season. So his stats have suffered a little bit, but he's done the team things that have helped the club win. And I look at that more than I do the individual stats. And I love the kid. I, I think he's got an a, a extremely high baseball acumen as far as his IQ of playing the game, understanding how to play it, mm. not just from an offensive perspective, but from a defensive one as well. You know, he's been having to play a lot of second base. He's a natural third baseman, but he's playing a lot of second base. And the Rockies are looking at him in, in a middle infield spot. He made a terrific play last night here in Hillsborough, where he had to go out in the outfield and, and do the Derek Jeter jumping away from the play <laughs> and one hopped it to totally at first base to get the runner. I mean, that's a, that's a play that only, you know, a few guys can make. And he's right. got a terrific arm. I mean, as a reliever at Georgia, he was, you know, lights out as a closer. Um, so he can make plays in the infield that your average guys can't. Mm -hmm. And I, I've, I've really been impressed with what he can do defensively with his range. He can get to a lot of balls uh, and make plays once he gets to them because he's got that arm. Uh, he's, he's, he just needs time. And, and I think that, you know, fans need to be patient with him. And, and not expect him to come in in two years and light up the major leagues. Right. I don't think that's going to happen with him. I think he's going to be a guy that you're probably going to be waiting three or four years before he gets to a major league level. And then you're going to be seeing, you know, incremental 
as he learns the game at that yeah. level, incremental progress. But he's going to be a guy that once he gets to the major leagues, he's going to be there for a decade. And that's just because he knows how to play the game and he's going to make the right plays. And maybe while the fans will go, oh, he's hitting 222 and he's only got three home runs. You can look at him on a daily basis and go, oh, boy, but he was really good at advancing those two runners over the last couple of days that set yeah. us up game winning rallies. I mean, you got to have those guys if you're going to be a winning baseball team. If you don't have those guys, you don't win games. And he's been a big part of the reason why that the Indians have been able to generate base runners for the Willie McIvers and Michael Tolias of the world to drive in. Yeah, those, um, those, I guess the things you don't see on the stat line are huge and the mm -hmm. fans that, I mean, I can't see that. And so it's like, it's good hearing that because, you know, you see the stat line, Oh, here we go. Another bust um, type thing. And then seeing <laughs> those little things go, like we were talking about it with Tapia and Daza. They're not your normal major league baseball players right now. They're low launch angle, high in play guys. And they're hitting one, two, like it's the 1980s again. Like we're going to get on, put the ball in play and do things. And so you just don't see that on the stat line. So that's, that's good thing. That's good to hear about Aaron. That's cool. Yep. Um, and then this last one, last, the reliever, I was really surprised about that. Number 30 on the prospect list, Shelby Lackey. Um, mm -hmm. Five out of seven save opportunities, 21 Ks, 1.1 whip. Is he an electric factory like the numbers say? Well, the thing with Shelby, and he's on the injured list right now, okay. which, which hurts. Um, but it's also opened the opportunities for P.J. Poole, a left-hander out of Connecticut, yeah. who's been our best reliever consistency-wise all year. I mean, he's been just, from day one, the guy for us. But Shelby um, – you know, he came out in a game in Eugene, and I knew the first batter, he didn't have it. I mean, he, he hit a guy on a one-two pitch, and I said, this is not going to end well. For a lead at the time, he ended up losing the game. Um, but he came out two nights later, and he stuck it up, Eugene, you know what. <laughs> he came out and just bang, 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 get out of here. and. Yeah. I loved seeing that. Um, he's a guy that doesn't have a real heavy fastball. He's not a high velo guy. Uh, he, you know, he can throw in the low 90s, but his big thing is movement, especially against right-handed hitters. He's got kind of a, a whip motion with his three-quarter delivery that when it's coming at a right-handed hitter, it just goes from right to left mm -hmm. and just slides shoot. over. Those, those are so much fun to watch as fans too. I love seeing those pitcher pitch. He, he, and when he, when he stays within himself and, and Willie has told me there have been times he's had to just go out to the mound and tell him, Hey, slow yourself down, just focus in on the mm -hmm. mid. And when he does that, he's been money in the bank. But, you know, he has a tendency to sometimes let that slide a little bit, uh, which young pitchers will do. Right. Even major league guys will do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he's been very good. Um, you know, he's been a, a, a consistent guy, you know, outside of that outing in Eugene, he's been very, very good for the Indians. And I look forward to him getting back off of the uh, injured list because they could really use him right now because outside of, P.J. Poole, and we really don't have a closer. Yeah. 
it's been kind of a by committee situation thus far since uh, he's been on the injured list for the last week and a half. So um, I'll be glad to get him back out there. But, you know, he's a he's a kid that, you know, is going to have to continue to develop. Um, you know, he's not a, a major league guy right now, but I, I can see him that if he gets more consistent as far as locating the strike zone, yeah. he could be a guy that, that could be throwing in Denver in three years. That's, that's good to hear again. Yeah. A lot of promising stuff up in Spokane and the fact yes. that you're able to watch it and announce it and walk, this is your welcome to the Colorado organization. Like that's gotta be, that's gotta be so much fun for you. Yeah. I, and, and the funny thing is, is that I, I can remember a lot of these kids when they were in Boise two and three years ago, yep. in 2018 and 2019. And, you know, the development in their games since that time has been exciting because I'll be honest, watching those Hawks teams in 2018 and 19, they weren't good. I mean, <laughs> I was, I was worried because I was thinking, man, these guys, they were not very good. They were like 27, 49 or something like that. Uh, just, you know, they weren't a good baseball team and right. watching them, I go, man, their games, first of all, have come leaps and bounds despite COVID and the, and the lack of games and development in that year. And they've got some good talent. I, I, you know, from a, from a Rockies fans perspective, there's some good talent in Spokane right now and going up the system. I mean, we've lost three fifths of our starting rotation already with, with Carl Kaufman and, and Brian Feltner and David Hill. Yep. I mean, they're already up to double A, which should tell you how good the starting pitching has been here in Spokane. I broke down the last two series. The, the starters ERA against Tri-City were 2.06 and were under two in their last series against wow. Tri-City. So you get that kind of starting pitching in 12 games against Tri-City, 11 times they've gone five innings or more. That's, that's so good to hear. Well, I mean, yeah, no team, no team in the league is doing that. There isn't another team in the league doing that. And I told people, I said, I think we have the best starting pitching in this league. I think we have the best fielding team in this league. And I have had no one disagree. Yeah. The, the proof is in the pudding out on the field thus far. I, I really feel encouraged about those things. You know, there's, you know, some guys in the bullpen that are coming along and getting better. Still a lot of room for growth there. And I, I think that's going to be something to keep our eye on in the, in the, in the months and hitting wise situational hitting. I hit, I harp on that all the time. It's like, okay, you got men at first and second, nobody out. What's that third guy coming up going to do at the plate? Is he going to put the ball in play and advance the runners or right. is he going to strike out? Well, more often than not, it's been the latter. Mm -hmm. of and, and that's a, an area that I think this club needs to address. And I'm sure hitting coach Zach Osborne is on them all the time about saying, hey, guys, you've got to put the ball in play. You've got to help yourself along here and help your team because now you put runners second and third with one out. What's that going to force the infield to do, especially right. in a tight game? Come in and mm -hmm. you're going you're gonna to benefit from that. So just little things. I mean, baseball's full of little things. Yes, it is. Attention to detail and being good at those things that are the difference between a club that's playing at a 570 clip or a 450 clip. Yeah, it's that's huge. Different. And there's, it's, there's always so much more to learn, too. Like, what are you learning here? What did you learn in Fresno? What are you going to learn in Hartford, Albuquerque? And then there's all these little things to build up you to make it to the big league, but also do it as a team and stuff. There's, there's a lot to it. 
so much to it. And most fans have no idea. Right. No idea of what these guys are working on or what they're getting better at. I mean, they're just looking at the results and yeah. the bottom line. And yeah, that's, that's, you know, okay. That's to be expected. But at the same time, you know, I, I like to look beyond that. You know, having played, I, I like to look beyond and go, okay, well, what are the little things that these guys are doing or not doing? Yeah. And there are times that, you know, I've called guys out on the air because, hey, they couldn't lay down a bunt in a situation. Hey, that's their job. Right now, yeah. you've got to get the bunt down and get that runner over in a one-run game so your club can tie the game. You didn't do it? That's yeah. on you. Yeah, it's like got to execute. You're the one that hit the golf ball. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> nobody else out there. Right. <laughs> you know, gotta gotta be uh, held accountable and uh, yeah so you know it's 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 fun to watch these guys get better though and and they've gotten so much better Aaron than they were in the first two weeks of the season I mean I honestly thought when we were two and ten I said we're gonna be lucky to win 30 games this year it was that ugly that was my thinking I thought oh my goodness this team you know looking back at what had happened in Boise I said we're gonna be lucky to win 30 games but they have just stuck with it they've been, been improving every series and they worked hard at it. You know, I can watch them in BP. I can watch them in their workouts. They are working hard to get better every day. And it shows. They're only three games under 500 now. Uh, they've made a terrific progress. And I just hope that it continues and uh, that they keep this group together for a little while without <laughs> dispatching them all over the place. But that's just from a selfish perspective. <laughs> right. Right. For sure. Well, I thank you, Mike, for coming in and sharing your insight about these players. It gets me excited about it. Like I said, the MILB TV doesn't do a very good job of putting Spokane on at all in the Northwest. So being able to talk to you and get that insight is great. So thank you for spending your late morning with me. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it as well. Look forward to next time, Aaron. Yeah, for sure. We will definitely do that. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for tuning in. Find more content at BlakeStreetBanter.com.